Welcome to Let's Talk Brokers, where Tony Geary, Head of Business Development for Barclays, talks with experts within Barclays and the broker community to provide you with the latest insights from agriculture to real estate and everything in between to help support you and your clients. In this podcast, Tony discusses the impact of coronavirus on the broker market with Paul Goodman, Chair of the NACFB, and talks real estate with John Ainsworth, Head of Real Estate for Barclays UK, and Mark Jones from Omega Brokers. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and you'll automatically receive notifications when a new episode is available. Let's kick off with Tony talking to Paul Goodman about the impact of coronavirus on the broker community. I'm really pleased to be joined by Paul Goodman, Chair of the National Association of Commercial Finance Brokers, who I hope will help our listeners gain an insight on the broker market and the impact of coronavirus. Good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, Tony. Firstly, Paul, what's your personal experience of coronavirus and lockdown be? It's certainly been an interesting time. For me personally, I believe I had I actually had the virus right at the start of, of this, this pandemic period. So I was I was very, very poorly. And thankfully obviously I'm still here to, to tell the tale. But yeah, it's been it's been difficult, you know, battling that with with working with the NACFB, managing the team here, everybody working remotely. It's been very, very challenging. I think that's a, a, a you know a fair a fair reflection. Certainly for the first seven weeks I was sat in my office at home. 16 hours a day, seven days a week, just, you know, working through everything that needs to be, to be done, which is, you know, from a personal point of view, has been difficult seeing the impact on the family, you know, challenging the the difference between work and, and home life and all that goes with it. So it's certainly been an experience that I, I think I'll never, ever forget. I think that's really interesting. I think people often forget Brokers run businesses in their own right and employ staff and, you know, have the same pressures that, that everyone else is having in terms of work-life balance, et cetera, et cetera. So how have you managed that during during the period of lockdown? With the with the, the multiple roles, so, you know, chairing the NACFP as it is, as, as it is challenges. But managing that with the practice family, it's incredibly difficult. I think, as I said, the first seven weeks, I, I literally didn't move from my, from my desk. I got to that end of that seven seven weeks and thought, this can't continue. You know, that there has to be some kind of, of, of balance because otherwise, you know, with the likes of the NACFB, my team in the business, family members, etc. you know, I, I need to be here to be able to, to make that all work. So at the end of that seven weeks, I decided that I had to do something different. So I created more time. I think I'm now week 10 of a, of a completely different fitness regime. So I'm up at five o'clock in the morning doing two, three hours of training, whether that's on the bike, running uh, in the gym. I'm, I'm back home for, for eight o'clock and, and ready to get on, on the day. And it, it's, it's made a tremendous difference. I'm fortunate that I've got the ability to do here that, that at home. But without it, getting that balance is, is incredibly difficult. I mean, I'm fortunate here because of the setup we, we have at home, but you know, for the many brokers out there, either working from a bedroom or you know, having to do something makeshift and working with their teams remotely, incredible challenge. And in your role as chair of the NACFB, what have you done as an organization to try and support those brokers out there who are facing those difficulties? Very interesting question. Right at the start of the pandemic, I took the decision that 
we needed to do something different as an organisation. So we're, we're, we're very fortunate at the NACFB that we have Major Russell Lewis uh, as a non-executive director. And I personally thought that the kind of the military stance in terms of dealing with the crisis was the, the input that, that I needed and, and ultimately the association would need. So as soon as we were locked down, I picked up the phone to, to Russ we created uh, what we've referred to as uh, Red Team, which I believe is very much uh, adopted within in the military in a crisis situation. And we formulated a plan in terms of you know how we can we can support the the head office team, but moreover how we can su- support the industry and our, and our broker members. We aim to get eighty percent correct. I mean, obviously, we aimed at one hundred percent, but if we get to eighty percent correct, you know, during this crisis time, then we can look back on this and think we've done a good job. I mean, one of the first things that we we introduced was a, a moratorium on the on the fees for our members. We went slightly beyond the government's kind of three months uh, forbearance. We went to four months because we could see this was was going to be in for the long term. So, and there's been many other examples of of where we've tried to support our members. And as you look then at the wider broker community, I'm sure you've seen you know some some real positives that potentially have come out of this. I think we're all aware of the of the negatives we've seen in the marketplace. So. What positives have you seen? I think what I've um, what I'm really pleased about from our NACFB membership is that there was a real right from the right from the very start there was a real kind of drive and desire for the members to be front and centre with the UK PLC, whether that was triaging applications for for Siebel's applications, signposting laterally for bounce back loans. There was a real um, momentum within the membership to. To make a difference, you know, these are, it's a word that's been used very, very regularly, unprecedented times and really, really delighted that the Trade Association and its members have, have stepped forward to contribute, you know, and that's on the backdrop of members would have, you know, depleted pipelines, they would have seen a lot of their pipeline disappear overnight, but, you know, the 2,000 plus members have, have really been steadfast in their approach and it's been consistent throughout this pandemic period which is from an NACAP point of view is just fantastic to see. So if we step back then and look to the future what, what's your outlook on the short and, and medium term in terms of the broker market? Very challenging. We're f- firmly I believe in the, in the eye of the storm. Membership feedback is that uh, over the last probably three to four weeks, it has been more business as usual. I think there's been a trend of more sophisticated borrowers who maybe didn't rush as the public dig to the supermarkets to get their toilet rolls right at the start. Many businesses rushed to get the lifeline of the government schemes. But but many SMEs did sit back and waited uh, to to assess in terms of how, you know, how long the pandemic was going to go on for, what impact. So they've started to come and there's been consistent feedback from the, the membership that actually business as usual. But I do feel we are in the eye of the storm. Liquidity, particularly outside of the high streets, is a much sought after commodity. So the issue is not really the, the deal flow, it's actually placing the business. So short term, you know, inquiries are up. Will that continue? I guess a lot depends on you know, whether there are any more regional lockdowns. We saw in Leicester, you know, Blackburn's possibly going to be the next one. So I think the, the pandemic and the, the financial crisis that's bubbling underneath has, has got some way to go. That said, the membership is strong. Our patrons are, are still got an appetite to lend. Um, we've got many within that, nearly 100 accredited lenders. 
So there's still a lot of Siebel's applications going through. So I think it's good to just watch this space. We've, we, we can only control what we can control. It'll be interesting to see a few months down the line when the high streets come to the end of their six and 12 month capital repayment holidays. And then so with the other accredited lenders, exactly the same in terms of appetite to refinance, et cetera, et cetera. So there's, there's a long way to go, definitely in the eye of the storm. But I think it's a fantastic opportunity for the market to pull together in a collaborative approach to, to continue to fund UK PLC. So the two key words I took from what you said there were collaboration and resilience. So do you think the role of the brokers fundamentally changed because of the current situation? And how do you think brokers can put themselves in a position to come back stronger than before? The, the role for the broker has, in, in my opinion, never been so so important. The, the ability for uh, an SME to approach an experienced member of the NACFB is, is worth its weight in gold. To have the ability to do all of the heavy lifting for an SME, an SME who um, is, is being asked to put the foot down outside, a way out of the pandemic to get back to business as usual. They will struggle to navigate to find the funding that they need. There are a plethora of options out there. So the, the role is, is never been more important. I think the challenges that the, the broker, the NACP member will have is, is how they make that process for the, the, the SME as streamlined as possible. So the opportunities is to work more with technology. That's certainly something the NACFB is is alive to and will be actively supporting our members certainly over the next 12 to 18 months. People buy people. They absolutely buy people. So we've seen um, within our own practice within the NACFB membership, there's real collaboration between funder, whether that's the the High Street Bank or, or more specialist funders, the, the client, the real kind of collaboration in terms of understanding what the business needs, um, clearly what it thought it needed before the pandemic is completely different now, having an eye on what the future is going to look like. None of us have got a crystal ball, but you know we can we can best plot out our way forward and marrying that with a, a you know a lender or a number of lenders to help navigate that journey through. I think it's fair to say you know we've seen the NACFB lobbied very hard at the start of this because initially, businesses could have access either to a balance back loan or receivables. You couldn't, if you took out a balance back loan, that was it. Uh, or if you took out a receivables facility initially, you couldn't go one step further. But after the lobbying now, that's obviously changed. So the membership has started to see businesses coming back for a potentially a second receivables uh, or, or converting their balance back loan into receivables. So there's plenty of work to do. So that's why the, the broker, the, the NACFB member uh, working with its clients will just seem to be an absolutely valuable resource that SMEs can tap into. And Paul, what do you think brokers are looking for from Barclays now? The the ideal situation for for a, a broker is be able to place the, the the right business that Barclays would be looking for. Any any broker, any NACFP member is looking for certainty of funding and consistency from a from a lender. So. If, if Barclays can, can provide that in terms of very, very early, yes, this is absolutely a, a deal that we would like to progress. And then, you know, working with, uh, with an NACFB member to put that forward is, again, it's so valuable for the whole process. So uh, it's certainty of funding, consistency of underwriting, which is very, very challenging, particularly in this current climate in terms of how 
forbearance is being treated. So, but it's working hand in hand. I'll come back to the point I made before in terms of collaboration. You know, if Barclays understand that relationship between broker, the SME, and and, and the credit appetite, then that kind of is almost a virtual circle. So, and communication, actively communication in terms of if appetite is changing, you know, that's communicated back so that the broker can make sure that the deals that are coming to Barclays is actually what Barclays want because Barclays won't be able to fund every deal, but, you know, they should be able to do the what's appropriate for them. Absolutely. So thanks, Paul. That was really, really useful. One last one from me. I know like myself, you have a young family and I've experienced the joys of homeschooling over the last four months. But what's the one thing you've learned as a result of teaching at home, which you never learned at school? That's, um, that's, that, is a, that is a very, very good question. Well, I, uh, I've got a 17-month son, so he's not quite at there yet, but um, he's, a, he's a demon at doing puzzles, that, that's for definite. Jamie, who's uh, just turned 15, so he has demonstrated to me that whilst schooling at home, he can rattle through all of his schoolwork, keep his grades up within two hours, and then spend the rest of the time, thankfully, he's been training. So that's been a real eye actually, for both of us to show that actually how much time is lost at school between you know moving from lessons setting up in a new and and you know breaks and dinner lunches actually if you just condense down the time that is needed purely on the schoolwork it's around about two maybe three hours a day maximum so for me that's been a, a complete eye-opener paul goodman chair of the nacfb thank you for joining me for this conversation and hope to see you soon Welcome to part two of Let's Talk Brokers. Still to come, Tony talks with Mark Jones from Amiga Brokers about the real estate sector from a broker's perspective. But first, Tony explores the market with John Ainsworth. It's great to be joined now by John Ainsworth, our head of real estate for Barclays UK. John, thanks for joining us on the podcast. How are you? I'm very well, Tony, and thanks for inviting me to join the conversation today. So, John, I'd like to start by asking you, since we entered lockdown in March, the real estate sector has faced some unprecedented challenges. What do you think those key challenges have been? Thinking about it logically, we obviously had the shutdown in the property market, so people weren't able to transact purchases of property. We had issues in terms of the development sector where, again, there was issues around people getting labour onto building sites. There was issues around being able to get goods to building sites. Even those sites that were open because of the social distancing rules, the two-metre rule, then generally those sites were about 70% efficient. We've seen, I guess, our landlords affected by voids, and that varies across the different sectors, residential probably being the strongest to hospitality and leisure and discretionary retail spend, probably the hardest hit. And then there's been a number of initiatives and changes which have affected those scenarios to, to other extents. So obviously at the moment we're in unprecedented uh, times in terms of interest rates. So low interest rates obviously generally help our commercial real estate clients. Then we've had government initiatives like moratorium on actions on non-payment of rents, which you could take as being positive or or negative to the sector, depending on on where you are. And equally, we've seen some 
of the lenders probably come out of the market or change the terms, which which again impact on that market positions. Other impacts on on the sector, obviously, with valuers not being able to visit properties. Rick's uh, issued some guidance around being able to do desktop valuations and valuations without going onto sites. From from an initiatives perspective, led by the government, the furlough scheme has affected the, the, the sector and generally that's given some buoyancy to private rentals. Obviously, we still wait to see what, what happens in terms of how that plays out in terms of redundancies and equally initiatives such as capital repayment holidays, which have been endorsed by the government and the government lending schemes have also helped in terms of supporting the commercial real estate industry. Generally, there's, there's been a lot of things, a lot of moving parts to it, and we're still working through where that takes us in terms of the real estate market going forward. Wow. So lots and lots of challenges. But what's your outlook for the sector overall then, John? So I think the, the outlook is mixed. We have seen variances in terms of rental collections. June has probably been the first quarter where we've really started to understand what that looks like. As we know, the furlough scheme ceases shortly and we will see the level of unemployment that that might pick up. We've seen quite a lot of press around some of our discretionary retail businesses. It's still understanding what the financial strength of those businesses are, whether we will see CVAs in that commercial space and see some downward pressure on rentals is uh, something that we're still working through. And I guess off the back of that, you know, in terms of online spending, that's obviously been very much to the fore. So I think that that retail market is really interesting to see how that plays out. In terms of industrial and warehousing, you know, rental collections have been pretty strong in that space, as has residential. But equally, everybody who's experienced lockdown has got a different view on, I think, how that that moves going forward. So will we see people move away from apartment type accommodation? Will we see people move out of the cities? Obviously, the scenarios around people not working from offices, all of that, I think is going to be very interesting how it plays out over probably the next three, six months. And I think the landscape will change substantially in commercial real estate off the back of that. Thanks, John. That's really interesting. So despite those challenges, brokers are still experiencing demand for buy-to-let from their clients. Can you talk to me about how Barclays is looking to support clients in this space? I think the first thing to say is we're certainly open for business, both for clients, new clients and for broker opportunities. Real estate is an area where we're looking to grow our lending book over the coming years. And indeed, last year, we had our record year in terms of gross new lending and increased our balance sheet substantially. And the plan for this year is the same. And despite COVID, we're still on track to achieve these plans. And indeed, over the last month or so, I've seen our business deliver pre-COVID levels, both in terms of sanctions and debt drawn. We've recently brought in a solution to offer buy-to-let mortgages to limited companies and SBVs, and we've made a recent adaptation to that in that we've changed the qualifying criteria from 75,000 income criteria down to 25,000, which we believe will open up 
that opportunity and we're continuing to adapt the solution to make it more open to as many people as, as we can do. That's great, John. And when we look at that, do you see those opportunities being nationwide or are there certain regions or, or growth areas that stand out? I think the, the answer is probably twofold, Tony. I think in terms of the opportunity, it's definitely nationwide. Three quarters of the $40 billion of annual lending is for remortgage. So obviously that's opportunities all over the country. In terms of purchase of properties, that's probably slightly different in when we look at the, the market data around purchases, the growth is generally being seen in the north of the country. So generally Wales, north of uh, England and into Scotland is where we see where we're still seeing growth in terms of the purchase of buy-to-let properties. And that is generally because the yields are stronger in the north of the country. Therefore, you're able to get better debt service on any lending. And that, that also then um, caters in terms of the the loan-to-value that those properties will dictate and therefore the level of equity that you need to put into those deals. So I think the answer is yes, all over the country. But in terms of what we're seeing to date, purchase of new properties will be stronger in the, in the north of the UK. So lots of opportunity for the broker market. Now, thinking about our audience, John, how can a broker support their client in putting a strong case forward to us? And what are the key things that need to stand out? Our approach is very much cash flow led and value cognizant. So the key thing in real estate is that we really have a strong angle on what the underlying income stream is from the assets and the sustainability of that income stream. So in terms of residential it's understanding how long that property has been rented out and what is the history of being able to let that property over a period of time. Because obviously from a, a lease arrangement, we're generally operating on assured short-hold tenancies. So obviously those are generally sort of six-month uh, periods. So it's that history of the rental performance of that asset, which is key for us. And in terms of commercial, it's around the lease term that we've got for that asset, the quality of the covenant behind it, and, and really trying to match the, the loan term and the lease term so that the residual risk in um, the lending is as low as possible. Now, obviously, in the present climate, we will see varying levels of voids in the real estate business. So what we really need to understand is what voids we've seen so far in the portfolio and what that potentially looks like going forward so that we're really confident that both ourselves and the clients can service that debt for a period and there isn't a reliance on having to, to sell that asset because the Barker's approach is a, is a real through-the-cycle approach that we believe our lending criteria holds good. We, we've obviously witnessed previous recessions such as 2008, and we're confident that our lending criteria holds good through, through recessions. So we won't be pulling in and out of the market. So it's really, really important that we, we get that full understanding of the, of the deal at the outset to make sure that we're providing a, a robust lend for duration of that lending. And then if we look at the wider market, John, what impact do you see the reduction in stamp duty having over the coming months? Okay, so I think this is an interesting one, and you can look at it in a number of ways. So I think the first thing to look at, obviously, 
anything that the government are doing to, to stimulate the economy has got to be a good thing. What we've seen post-lockdown is a significant increase in the demand on residential properties, especially in terms of people looking and inquiries for those properties. There also will have been a decent pipeline of people that were looking to acquire residential properties post-lockdown. So hopefully that stimulus of stamp duty relief will ensure that those deals that were in pipeline still give the purchaser, I guess, something that, that leads them into to still transacting that purchase. The longer term view is, is that balance between where people see property prices potentially falling and the benefit from stamp duty. At the moment, the economic view on house prices for the remainder of the or, or for this year is a down tick of 3%. Obviously, the, the stamp duty benefit is 3%. So at the moment, you've got a very much a balance between potential price falls and the saving through stamp duty. So I guess it's, it depends on your view as to whether you see house prices falling more than that 3% or not falling at all. And really on how much you desire to, to move property. So I, I, it's difficult to tell how much a difference it, it will make. I think short term, it will make people follow through with the transactions. Longer term, some people may wait and see just to see what the market does, whether it does fall more significantly than that. We've talked a lot about residential investment, but if we turn to residential development and commercial investment, what do you think the key movements are in those areas and what should brokers be looking for? Okay, so residential development, as we alluded to in terms of the impact of COVID, that was generally around sort of operational issues for our builder clients in terms of the uh, social distancing or with sites that may have had to close for a period, also linked into the ability to source building materials and, and labour. Generally, what we've seen in that market is our policy has been pretty robust and we haven't really seen any impacts from builder clients, save probably some delays in terms of house price sales. So so we believe that our criteria holds good in terms of supporting those clients and we are keen to continue to do so. Obviously, from a, a developer, I guess the things that we would want them to be considering is whether they, they need a a longer window in terms of those sales. Are the properties that they are building, is there likely to be any change in buying habit from a consumer perspective for the types of properties? So I think I referenced earlier, you know, apartment schemes, will locations change in terms of people wanting to be nearer the countryside, near open spaces? I think that's something that we'd want consideration on that. And, and, and a bit in terms of longer term, but not substantially longer term, is potential impacts of Brexit on labour markets. So as, as the rest of this year plays out, I guess it's just being comfortable in terms of ability to source labour and any impacts on prices of goods as, as we play out the year and into next year. Commercial, there is a complete mix in terms of the commercial landscape. Industrial, with generally industrial and warehousing, we see performing pretty robustly in terms of rent collection. So I think that's an area 
that we're pretty comfortable with. When it comes to the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, you know, we, we really need to see how both the discretionary retail spend and discretionary H&L spend play out as to what the level of collection rates are going to be on those rents. So we'd expect, I think, a bigger window in terms of potential voids when we're analysing deals on, on that side. And then I think the office scenarios is a, is a really interesting one. So I think we will all probably have worked from home for pretty much the duration of, of this lockdown. And I think it's been proven that generally efficiency has been pretty good from working from home. So I think it will be interesting to see how many businesses continue to require the same level of footprint for office accommodation. And I think that that could lead to some changes in, in that dynamic. But to date, I think office collections have, have still been pretty strong. I think this is just a few things that, you know, I guess we'd want to consider, but also we'd be expecting our clients to be considering as part of their strategy going forward on real estate. One final question for me. John, from your perspective, what are the positive lessons we can take from the lockdown period on how the real estate team can work together with the broker community to support more clients? Yeah, so I think it's really interesting. A lot of our interaction has been via WebEx and by virtual channels, which I think has proven a real ability to to contact a lot more clients and a lot more brokers and have a lot more dialogue than we would generally do when we're having those face-to-face meetings. So I think there's, a, there's been a real benefit in being able to touch base with, with clients and brokers a lot more frequently and make sure that we provide the level of support that they need. As an example, we, we contacted all of our real estate clients in the first month of lockdown to talk through what their funding requirements are. And off the back of that, we uh, put in place 750 capital repayment holidays. The other thing that we've really had to handle is the high levels of lending through the government initiatives, both um, Sybils and Bibbles. And that's meant that we've really had to relook at uh, the way we do lending. And we were already working through how we improved the, the quality of our lending fulfilment. But that's really made sure that we've brought some of those initiatives forward and really been able to streamline our lending approach in terms of that end-to-end process, utilising such things as DocuSign more regularly, but also in terms of that automated lending structure. And I think it gives us a great platform to really ensure that we continue to, to move those initiatives forward. And I think we'd all agree that the more we can speed up that end-to-end lending journey, give visibility on the approaches will help both our clients and our brokers and ourselves in terms of being the the bank that people want to go to to fulfil those requirements and, and those solutions to support the growth of, of real estate further. John, great to have you join the podcast. Thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it, Tony. Thank you. Have you heard about the Barclays Back to Business programme? It's been designed in partnership with Cambridge University's Cambridge Judge Business School. It will take you two months to access and complete the Back to Business programme and will help you assess the health of your business and identify how to sustain or grow it during a crisis. 
with scenarios you can use to see how the pandemic might affect your business in the future. If you want to find out more, please get in touch with your local business development manager. Welcome back to Let's Talk Brokers. In our final interview, Tony talks to Mark Jones to get a broker's perspective on the real estate market. My final guest on today's podcast is Mark Jones, director at Amiga Commercial. Mark, before we start, do you want to give me a brief overview of Omega Commercial and what you do? I'm Mark Jones, director of Amiga Group. We handle commercial and specialist finance inquiries of all shapes and sizes, ranging from training businesses to development finance, working within the intermediary market and with direct clients, and essentially source the most competitive terms for our clients from the whole world market. So we've listened to John's thoughts on the real estate market, but I'm interested in what you are seeing from a broker perspective. Firstly, do you think we're turning a corner and are you seeing an increase in inquiries for buy-to-let? I wouldn't necessarily say we turn a specific corner, but we're certainly seeing a vast increase in the number of inquiries received. To put this in context, last month registered inquiries was 150% of that received in the same month last year. But this does include inquiries of different types. So I'd include within that the commercial side of things as well as just pure vanilla buy-to-let. The inquiries actually haven't just been centered around the more historic usual areas actually of the major cities, but we've seen a few discounted purchase options coming up for say central London. However, the the majority of our inquiries have been far more regional, no particular bias for any particular area, but certainly away from the central major cities. But this does follow the trend previously seen as clients chase greater returns. The enhanced returns theme continues actually, I'd suggest, as, as clients seek their higher yielding properties from mixed use, commercial, specialist residential, I'd include holiday lets within that that category, or they're looking to add value through refurbishment, development opportunities. And we've certainly seen a a, a large growth in this this sector. So the numbers discussed wouldn't just be within the buyer to that world, but would also include some of those more high yielding areas. Okay, so you're seeing things across the entire gambit then. Now, what's your experience been of gaining funding for real estate cases over the last four months? And what's been your key learning? Uh, well, first of all, I'd say we've, we've, we're utilising a continued spread of lenders during this period, albeit I'd say the lenders making up this spread has certainly changed. If I look at the live cases in the pipeline from, say, 12 months ago to today, I'd say key learning in our experience has been reduced appetite, like many people, specifically on commercial assets. I'm unsure whether this will change in the immediate future and perhaps Clients are going to need to work to reduce LTVs ongoing. Um, retail is a good example, clearly. Whilst appetite was reducing pre-pandemic, we've only seen this appetite continue to diminish. Key learning of both this period and I suggest my broker life generally would include uh, an appreciation of honesty. I think even where the message isn't maybe what we or our clients want to hear, it's still important that we hear that message. And beyond that, I'd suggest considering alternative often creative methods of raising funds, perhaps to mitigate or overcome shortfalls caused by restricted market conditions. So Mark, we've all had to learn to take positives during this period. What would you say you see as a positive in how you as a broker have worked with BDMs and lenders? I'm not personally always a fan of meeting for meeting's sake. Indeed, periodic meetings with no substance, just because that's what we're used to or that's what we should be doing. Therefore, 
you know, the new world has certainly brought with it a focus of message, I would suggest, and more efficient use of time from all parties. It does come with its challenges, communication, getting through to people as and when you need to. But I think that er- hopeful eradication, I think, of meeting for meeting's sake, update meetings with no, with no real content or value to add. So I think that that's where we've seen a, a real improvement in our relationship with, with key sales staff or BDMs. That is so interesting, Mark. And efficiency is definitely a theme that's come across from, from each guest today. What, what do you think you could have improved on as a broker during this period? I'd say something I think the broker community could have improved on. I think I'd go back to a comment that's been echoed by a number of people, and that would be honesty at all times, so lending options available, timeframes to complete, support for various transactions. I think all brokers are in competition. We all know this. Lenders are in competition. So I'd say the lender and broker market, I think, need to ensure they continue to be upfront, honest with clients, ensure we don't mislead clients as to what is or isn't available. And just that that honesty word, again, it remains paramount, I think, in, in all activities. And Mark, as a broker, what do you want to see from lenders as we come out of this lockdown period? Consistency of message for me is is top of the list because what we want to ensure is whilst we, we use the word honesty and it's thrown about quite a lot, I think it's a consistency of message throughout. So I think communication within the lending institutions needs to be streamlined and be clear so that the front end knows exactly what actually the back end will be signing off on or not. I think as a result, then that communication can be relayed to broker partners, clients alike, but there's just time wasted. You know, people get irate or disgruntled if we're trying to sell a set of terms to somebody which just aren't available. And that may well not be down to the individual, say, sales staff, BDM, lending manager. That could be just down to a, a consistency of many message throughout that organisation. And then it's down to us to ensure that we're, you know, staying staying on top of that, aware of what those terms are, and then relaying relaying the same to our clients. So, last question. As you've been home-based for the last few months, have you taken up any new hobbies or learned a new skill? I had great plans of looking to learn a language or turn my hands to a new skill, but I actually spent my time balancing work commitments with having a toddler at home. It's been interesting, and I'm sure other people who may listen to this uh, will share in those challenges or inherent challenges in working from home with a family, plus also trying to attempt to finish off my house renovation, albeit again, limited by my toddler uh, and her activities around the house. Thanks, Mark. It's been great having you on our first podcast, and I'm sure our listeners will have found many of the points you've raised extremely interesting. Well, that's it for this episode. I still can't quite believe we've come to the end, but I hope you found it useful and it helps support you in any cases you're planning to write in the near future. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and you receive a notification when we release our next episode when we'll be looking at the latest insights within brokers, real estate, and indeed take a deeper look into the agriculture sector from a Barclays and a broker perspective. If you have a topic which you'd like me to explore in more detail, please drop me an email or let your local business development manager know. Thanks again for listening. We also have a Let's Talk Agriculture podcast featuring the latest market insights and delving deeper into other topics and issues facing the industry. You can find it in our Let's Talk Business channel. Make money work for you. 
The views and opinions expressed in this content don't necessarily reflect the views of Barclays Bank UK PLC, nor should they be taken as statements of policy or intent of Barclays Bank UK PLC. Barclays Bank UK PLC takes no responsibility for the veracity of information intimated by a third party, and no warranties or undertakings of any kind, whether expressed or implied, regarding the accuracy or completeness of the information given. Barclays Bank UK PLC takes no liability for the impact of any decisions made based on information contained and views expressed.